This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I am once again joined today by Tom McKenzie, one of the founders of The Pulse, but I'm also joined by Dave Elliott again. It is a monumentous occasion to have both of the founders of The Pulse back under one roof. This is fantastic. Uh, I, maybe. Well, we'll yeah, see I guess we'll happens. have to see what happens with the conversation. I'm but, happy uh, to be here. That's I'm good. happy to be here. Yeah. I just don't know if everybody else is going to feel the same after they sit through this. But I think we're going to raise the roof here today. Yeah. You both sound like you're ready to party. Mm-hmm. It is uh, 1045 in the morning, and uh, you both had your coffee, so we're ready well, to go, I, right? I did a round of paper deliveries around 5 a.m., so I'm, I'm wide awake, Andrew, wide awake. Perfect. So last time you were on, Tom, we talked about your experience. We've already covered Dave's experience, kind of going to college, meeting, getting the paper kicked off the first year, the first issue, that kind of thing. Is there anything that we missed about you two meeting when we had covered it with each of you individually that people would be interested to know? I can't remember the first time I met you, Dave. Maybe in the quad. probably because neither of us can remember it. Yeah, maybe in the quad with your then puppy, St. Bernard. Charlie, and then well, I'm talking I about the quad at that, Lawrence though. University. Yeah. Did probably. you have the St. Bernard at college? Yes. Did they just let you do that, or did you have to get some paperwork, or how did you get a dog at school? I don't know. We you just I, had the dog? Well, no, we lived in a, a house, and the house permitted dogs, so I was allowed to have an animal. Was it student housing? Yes. Because hmm. I also had a dog at college, but I had to get them in as an emotional support dog. Oh, no. Well, Charlie was an emotional support dog, but not officially. I think all uh, dogs are, though. That's true. Yeah. The security guard actually would come around and take the dog on rounds. She was a woman security guard, and she liked having a 150-pound St. Bernard to accompany her on the rounds in the evenings. So mutually beneficial relationship. There. Absolutely. Great. And it kept us out of trouble. The security guards would not come and knock on our door when they knew they shouldn't. <laughs> So, at that. <laughs> and as a puppy, Charlie was really, really cute. Mm-hmm. Not as cute when they were running around the tiny office the first year of the Pulse? Well, cute then, too. Yeah. So at some point at Lawrence, you met. Neither of you remember it, but you two became fast friends, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of mutual acquaintances probably put us together at some point. Mm-hmm. Then why don't we jump ahead to coming to Door County and starting the paper off? Now that the two of you are together... Walk me through like just setting up shop here. So I guess I I spent a summer in Massachusetts and saved up some money to buy a computer. And Tom Tom My rented job. a room. Yeah. No, no, you didn't. You, you where did you live, Tom? That summer. Like, we we talked about this oh, in the yeah, last okay, episode. See, I missed that. I haven't listened um, to that yet. Yeah, I had no formal housing, as probably there are workers out there today in Door County dealing with the same thing. But I lived in a tent on some land. Someone's land. Someone's land. Maybe it was public land. I'm not sure. With a buddy. And uh, we'd shower down at the docks and uh, worked teaching sailing. A couple other jobs, too. But I I had the task that we mutually agreed upon to find us housing by the end of the summer and an office. So where else but beautiful north of Ellison Bay, Juice Mill Lane, uh, was the first spot for the Peninsula Pulse. Basically kind of a one-room cabin, converted garage. You know, it was insulated, but we heated with wood. 
the floor, it was like linoleum on top of concrete. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it was, and you got the bedroom and I built the bedroom. There bed, was like, one room, yeah. I made a bedroom out of bookcases and slept on the floor, which was cold during the winter. It was a hollow core door that I think at one point you were sheltered enough that maybe knives were thrown at a door at one point. <laughs> Do you remember this? I recall this, but I don't know. It was you. so cold. The snow was blowing through the door. And for some reason I was staying in that room. Yeah, it was a winter in Door County scene where I was like, how am I going to stay warm? I don't remember exactly why I was throwing knives at it. I but, still remember yeah. that as the coldest winter that i've ever experienced in yeah. the county i think yeah. right and maybe i'm maybe it's just the mythology in my head and how i've told that story but i thought it was like 40 got down to 40 below we got pretty like, regularly was it was like a week wind chill 40 below and i believe that was the same winter of the hail bop comet yeah and so we had a quarter mile long driveway that we couldn't afford to plow so i would cross country ski back and forth to my car and of course it was dark you know, six o'clock whenever I'd get but, back from work. But remember how we got our couch? <laughs> no, it was so, a big L-shaped so couch. So someone right? came to visit us and they had it in the back of their truck and they got stuck in the snow. So they didn't want to take the couch out. So we got to keep the couch. Christian got stuck in the snow. You know, I like uh, that's how I remember the story at least. Who did we get it from? Wasn't it Christian? Wasn't it Christian? Yes. Well, he'd said, "Okay, I guess I don't know." He, I think he picked it up somewhere and didn't know where what to do with it exactly. And then since he got stuck in the snow, it was kind of fortuitous that we might need a couch, and he gave it to us. Mary Conrad's and, partner. Yes, at yeah, that at yeah. that time, yeah, yeah. I'm glad and, that you shared the the harrowing winter because so far the story seems kind of romantic, right? You're you're living in this small office, you're making a go of it, you're doing this like wonderful, ambitious project, but then you get to the winter and you two almost die in there. So well, it wasn't, it wasn't really, well, you can frame it that way, I guess. I mean, when we got stuck on the side of the road on New Year's Eve, wasn't it trying to get, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. So we were heading back from the Bayside, probably around one thirty or two in the morning. Mm-hmm. You would remember that you had left your laundry at Rowley's Bay or something that we had to go pick up. So I did a UE. Mm-hmm. on highway 57 and at that point not fast i wasn't speeding it wasn't one of those it was there was no one else on the road i turned around but i misjudged we had had so much snow too that the way that they plowed they plowed it clean off the side so right i took the turn and turned around and the so, whole half of the then what did yeah. elboro is what you named the the uh, Isuzu Isuzu trooper, trooper. Yeah. it so it sank into the snow and we got stuck yeah it looked like it was solid but once we got on it it was just sort of went right down into the. my memory serves that tom was not wearing the appropriate footwear so i had had tennis shoes on so because of that and because it was so cold tom watched me shovel (laughs) and until someone drove by in a van and towed us out well at first i hopped into his van because he said you know come with me i need some help getting some change from my house so we drove down the street this is one of those weird stories. This is this, this but, is but romantic. That, that embodies the spirit of Door County that, yeah, that we was, came into. You know, I mean, nobody was, was around for miles and miles. It was the middle of winter. It was nighttime, and somebody happens to come by, full moon, and uh, find us and and help us out in an extraordinary way. I don't even remember who that was or if we knew I them at all. I but, can't, I, yeah, I can't. We didn't know him at all. I just know that he was coming off of his shift. 
he gave me, he drove back and he said, look, and he only could get the stereo. It could work if the lights were out or something like that. So he turned the headlights off so we could listen to yeah. music because the full moon. And then we went back and he towed us out and yeah. got Tom's laundry and went home. He wasn't <laughs> so, driving with his headlights off, was he? Yes. Yes, he was driving. Yes. With, so but but you music? have to understand a full moon and snow everywhere it was more lit up than it was so bright out at that point yes totally illegal and wrong but at the same time <laughs> there's nobody else on the roads it's really early in the morning and you can see for miles in a full moonlight with this blanket of white snow everywhere you could yeah all right so i want to jump into the first five years right so we've talked at length about the first issue Let's talk about how the pulse starts to grow. Let's go back in time to you've just published the first issue. You're working on the second issue already. Walk me through issue two, issue three. How, are you seeing the growth already or is it something that picks up, you know, as the year goes on? Yeah, I mean, the first issue for me anyway felt like, a, you know, it was not a quiet little drop of a pebble in the water. I think it it felt like a big explosion to me in terms of our circle of acquaintances and people we were aware of. Everybody kind of saw it. We, we put them in enough places. You know, people were talking about it. So it created an excitement and I think definitely built across, you know, the first season of issues. The first few issues were really about, we pulled on resources we had from Lawrence, a lot of them. So it was acquaintances and friends that wrote. Some of them were directly affiliated with Door County, but a lot of them weren't. And what happened after that first issue is we got more local people to start writing, or at least seasonal workers who had worked up here to start writing. So it started to grow that way. I mean, it was still a strange experience to it, as we've talked about on these episodes. You'd do it on a computer, you'd put it onto this Cyquest drive is what it was called then. It was before CDs, it was before, it was after floppy disks. It was this big six inch by six inch by three quarter inch thick disk that you'd drive down. Drive to Kakana. And we'd have to get it there by I think nine in the morning or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we'd have to get up really, really, or not get up. We'd Usually we didn't sleep. Yep. Yeah. And then one of us would be the Poor guy who had to drive it down. You couldn't print these in advance. You were coming out, what, every other week at the beginning? It was coming out every other week. So you couldn't print it like Thursday and then have it delivered next Friday? No. Because we were trying to print current events. Like the, yeah, the two to entertainment three, listings. Yeah, it was like an eight-page yeah. paper, and I would say two to four pages were the event calendar. So none of the, I mean, it's just like today, a lot of the, it seems like there were more bands then that were playing at bars, but maybe that's just my own conception of that. But we were getting up-to-date information as people were getting things as current as possible. So we had to push that envelope as far as we could. And remember, like Tom was working two jobs. I was working two or three jobs. So there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of free time to create this stuff. So it ended up getting pushed to the absolute limit. I want to back up a little bit too, because a fond memory I have from the early days, I think before we, it must have been before we published the first issue, was you, you had a relationship at Kakana Times Press at that point from Lawrence University, but I still remember the first time we sat down in their conference room and talked with their team about, you know, what we were up to, what we wanted to do. And, you know, it seemed a little out of the box, but they totally embraced it. And, you know, we're really our, our partners. So for that, you know, that first season anyway. Oh, yeah. I'd bring the files down and they'd help 
me correct them to make sure they were press ready. They taught me a lot and they worked with us and we worked with them for a long time as a result of that. They were our partner, as Tom mentioned. Absolutely. This is in Kakana? Yes, the did, Kakana Times was where it was printed. Did Kakana still smell back then? Tom grew up outside of Kakana, so <laughs> careful about the... I graduated from Kakana High School. It's yep. the dog food factory, right? That's what makes No, it's it the smell? Tilmany paper mill. It's a big paper pulp plant. Did it smell like that when you were growing up? Sure. And you just got used to it? Yeah. Okay, because I, <laughs> whenever I drive through it, like we before we hit the sign, we'll be like... That's it's Kikana. it's funny. It's something about the wind. It sort of blows out over the the highway. It's when you're in town, you don't you don't really smell it that much. Yeah, I would it's, imagine it's the the stacks kind of blow it over town. But it is a cool community. I mean, it's almost entirely hydroelectric powered with the dams there. So yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting community. Yeah, they yeah. get a bad rap because of their scent. Yeah. No, I, I know nothing about them other than the fact yeah, that I can smell a, them when yeah. I drive through. Do you get nostalgic when you drive through? You smell it and it's like, ah, it's home. <laughs> Not from the smell, but okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So you... Well, I'm going to tell So actually, I ran into uh, Melissa Coonan the other day and she actually said she's an avid podcast listener out in Colorado. So hello, Melissa. But she worked at Wilson's with Kristen, my now wife, and we were talking about memories and... I think the first time I met her was right after I saw Tom's car go by the blue ox on the back of a flatbed truck. So I, and I'm reminded of that story because we had to get up early and drive the with, paper the with pa- dents in it. Yeah. A yeah. few and probably branches sticking out yeah. of all different places of the vehicle. So it reminds me of the story is we had to get up early, drive the paper down Well, I had gotten up early and driven Tom's car down because Tom after graduation got this, as a gift kind of thing, as a nice car. That I think that's how that worked, wasn't it? You, anyway. I think I bought it. I well, that was I, it. Was I a gift I, to yourself or something? It was kind yeah. of your graduation yeah. present to yourself that yeah. you saved some money and you got you had a nice vehicle because mm-hmm. prior to that, Tom was driving a vehicle that didn't run that well, and we've all I I and my vehicle wasn't running that great. So I took Tom's car down. It was a great day. I brought the paper down to Kakana, turned around, came back. I worked a full shift, went to the Blue Ox because our friends, the Brooker Band, were playing at the Blue Ox. Tom was entertaining a friend, I believe, at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't at the Blue Ox. And all of a sudden, around 1.30 in the morning or something, I and this is after I'd met Melissa Kuhn, and that's how she came into this too. And I, she was over at our house for a little meet and greet early this week. So I was also reminded of the story. Tom's car rolls by on the back of a flatbed and I have to call Tom and say, is your car in the driveway? Because what happened to you? Because there was no people in it. Mm-hmm. Well, it turned out that someone else that was living with us at the time who was writing for the paper, Rushit Bat from mm-hmm. India, had borrowed Tom's car. We thought he had a license. He didn't. And he totaled Tom's car and we lost our mode operandi to get uh, the paper to the printer. Yeah. Yeah. That was especially bitter because, you know, I just gone from the earlier car I had, I paid $40 for. Is that the Prelude? Yeah. Or the Quaalude, as we call it? Yeah, yeah. I bought I bought a Honda Prelude from a farmer, and we went out into the field and, you know, poured some coolant and stuff in it and gas and got it running, and I drove it away, and that was my car for at least the winter. And then I invested heavily a couple thousand dollars for me at that time in this car, so it was only around for a few months before this happened. That was a, a big setback. And it was because the Isuzu Trooper, or Alboro, as we called it, had also broken down. 
So between the two of us, we didn't have a functioning vehicle, so we relied on a lot of our friends to get things done. I mean, I remember riding my bike everywhere. We'd hitch rides. It was an interesting way of of finding a way to run a newspaper without transportation. Well, I was going to say, like, it seems like any any wrench in the works can really upset things quite a bit when the operation is so small. Mm-hmm. Like, if your computer broke, that was the only computer you had, right? Yes. Whereas now, had. when we have technical difficulties, we can fix them on the fly. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so totally different. The, the stakes were a lot higher. Well, let alone that the technology we were working at was a lot a lot more testy. Things would break a lot easier. We had to scan every photo in because there wasn't, we had to develop everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that some of your, your first contributors in the first couple of years were your friends back from Lawrence and that kind of thing. As the pulse grew and things changed, eventually you started doing more journalism, those types of things. When you look back at some of the stuff that you published in the first year or so, are those things that you wouldn't necessarily publish now? Or do you think that the paper still rings true to its roots? I'm going to let Tom answer that question because I'm pretty well, close it, to it. I think it's so interesting the way you ask that question. Yes, the paper still rings true to its roots, but no, we wouldn't publish those same articles. But obviously, I don't call those shots anymore. Dave does. I, I think some we would. Some. Again, we do. We have overheards in the pulse. We have server of the week, which we had back then. And that's not a comment on the quality. I think that what you've done, Dave, since I've not been around, is really you know focused in on local issues, which is so important. And you've cultivated a whole new audience that way and become the voice of the community. We weren't at that point. We were a place to go to you know, find out about music events and that kind of thing. And the writing was a little more esoteric. And yeah, it definitely grew into being about Door County, but not at that level of the town hall meetings of like how decisions get made for the community. We didn't start that way. Well, and there wasn't a void for it either. Like, so right. the stuff advocate that, was covering the it. The Door County Advocate was booming and doing a really good job at that. They were printing over 20,000 copies themselves. They had a huge circulation. It was privately owned. They were telling the story of Door County. We couldn't compete with that. But we could be a voice for a whole group of people that had no voice. There wasn't anybody. There was the key to the door. There was a resort reporter that was kind of covering the night scene and what was going on. But it was a... We went a little deeper dive into it. We were trying to focus on what the service industry was doing on their time off and not trying to tell all their stories and all the underbelly of all the bad stuff. It was the fun stuff. And let's find a way to have more fun together and tell our friends where to go. Because the music was moving around. It was always word of mouth, really, where to go. And we were trying to become the thing of saying, hey, let's, let's figure out a way to really create a culture around this. And I would argue that the art scene stuff that we were writing is pretty similar. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. you writing about Craig Bleats, for instance, mm-hmm. way back, way back then. And then, and like as I said, the server of the week. I don't know if we'd run some of the horoscopes that we ran, for example. <laughs> you don't do horoscopes we at all anymore. Don't do horoscopes at all anymore. Yeah. That was one of those late night things that we'd enjoy finding out what one of our friends' signs was, and then writing some evil thing about them. I think is kind of how that ended up. Maybe. Well, the assignment got passed around. Like, who's going to write horoscopes for this issue? And when I got the assignment, yeah, I would think about the social interactions I had over the course of the week. And I would think about specific people. And I would write a horoscope to them, like a little poem or something, and just describing them. And so it was almost like being able to do little character sketches 
And it really didn't have anything to do with astrology. No. <laughs> it was but, just But fun. we found our, we laughed at ourselves a lot back then. And I hope, I hope we, our audience is a little bigger than that circle. But. And what was so fun was, you know, you'd drop off the papers in a bar or something and somebody would open up and say, this horoscope is spot on, you know? <laughs> so that was always fun. So you, you had articles that were written about things that were happening mm -hmm. in Door County or articles about people in Door County and that kind of stuff. What were the other articles about? If they weren't specifically about something happening here, they what were they about? could have been political commentary on the world. Actually, Rushit Pat, who was our guest, wrote an article called The United States of Hypocrisy, which probably would, what I know definitely would not be reprinted at this point in the Peninsula <laughs> Pulse. He was taking a very satirical look at our world and our country, and it, we printed it on the 4th of July, which was a very inopportune time to do the same thing. So we learned a lot from those, but the, the best part was is that we printed probably maybe 2,000 copies of that issue. So right. we learned from that mistake, and that was something that we should not have done because we should have looked at a bigger picture and at the audience, but our audience was so small that we were able to learn from it and not be killed by it. It wasn't the end of us because we could just keep rolling. And we had a relationship with Nor Bly for a time in which we stepped into, you know, writing. And he had been with a few publications at that point. And um, he came to the Pulse and was writing about developments and really taking a, like, close the door approach to looking at sustainability in the county and he was a satirist so he was doing it with biting wit and real barbs to folks who were coming up and building oversized homes and he got and we, and we published a letter that countered his argument and we didn't put a byline on it because the person asked to be anonymous and norb insisted that we tell him who it is and we said no we're going to stand by the, the writer and norb quit yeah, I, I understand that. I, th I think people should use their byline. So we learned. No, we know. Yeah. I mean, we knew yeah. who did it, but I yeah. like I I don't yeah. think Norb had to know who did it. Like, right. it was, but right. that's all right. Like I, I Norb did a lot for our community and told some really good stories. Sometimes I wish he had stuck to more of the historical, beautiful little caricatures that he wrote about all the people up here and brought mm -hmm. attention to those people. But we worked with Norb, we worked with Mike McCartney, did a lot of cartoons for us early on in those, those days. Were great, yeah. Yeah, so I completely retract. It's, it's not an easy yes or no answer about whether we would reprint some of those things or, or if they came to us new now that, you know, it would appear. So definitely, yes, a lot of that stuff would. But it, it had a different approach. And I think having grown up from those roots... You have now a publication that has this breadth where poetry, cartoons, you know, features that are not so newsy, more sort of political musings can all fit within this newspaper, which has also now become the newspaper of record, which is so exciting. So you have a publication with a lot of breadth and versatility. Yeah, and, and I think that it's expanded more people and more voices. You're one of them, Andrew, so, and you're able to reach into a whole different area that we haven't spoken to when you, when you talk about your theater expertise and just and actually your perspective from where you come from and what you bring into the office. But I don't want to forget about some of the people that really helped us along the way. I mean, Dan Eggert was with us for mm -hmm. how long and hanging out and figuring out cover photos and taking pictures and finding fun along the way that we would 
document those things and tell those stories in the pulse. Yeah. Speaking of Dan, I read a quote from him earlier today, actually, about his time with the pulse. How much were you paying Dan in the beginning? Dan got a place to sleep once in a while. And we gave him uh, actually a lot. And we gave him um, free development of film. But Right. That's what he mentioned. He said that he got a couple rolls of film each week and you would develop his pictures. And so he used that as an opportunity to just learn and just yeah. grow as a photographer and grow as a person in Door County. Yeah. He helped drive the aesthetic of the paper yeah and i bring that up not as like uh you know why weren't you paying people i bring it up (laughs) as a like that was kind of the feeling from what i'm gathering right everybody was coming together and using this as an opportunity to figure out who they were and what they were doing and those types of things and it's a good way to put it this was a platform for that and we were all at an age where we could afford to experiment with those things Mm mm-hmm and as we all matured, the expect all my expectations grow about what you can and cannot do. How old were you guys in year one? 23, 24? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It seems so young, but I'm 27, mm-hmm. so I can't talk to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, Dan, I think the first photo we published of Dan was, we said it was Dan that took the photo, but it was actually Dan climbing something that you're not supposed to climb. So we were, yeah. Do you remember, do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, no. I'll show it to you later. I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to divulge it because it, it was in violation of of the state. Actually, it was a state posted thing that you're supposed to stay off this structure. And there's a photo of Dan climbing it. Mm. But what's the statute of limitations on that? It's old. I think it was on Rock Island. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So Tom, in your time with the Pulse, how much of that growth did you see, even just in the first five years? Like, how did the Pulse look as you left compared to when you had started it? I mean, it just got bigger and our distribution got more sites. We were publishing a lot more copies. I think we got up to 10,000 copies by the end of the five years that I was with it. How much uh, of a growth was that? What was your first run? A thousand. So tenfold growth. Mm-hmm. And we were probably printing, I don't know, 60 or 70 pages, 72 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd only, the first run was eight pages. Yeah. So there was a a real constant culture of reinvestment and making it bigger. So um, that was exciting. When did you make the shift to going year round? That was, I did that right after Tom left. So you were still doing just the summer months, but you had moved into doing every week, right? It was every other week, except around the fourth, we were starting to go weekly. Yeah. And when you made the change to go year round, was it still bi-weekly? I think we did once a month in the when we first started the winter issues. Yep, so like so it. slow going in that, but the distribution and the page sizes were getting very big. For yeah, the winter, the winter papers shrunk significantly and the sort of the print runs. But we, I mean, we always, we didn't put money towards ourselves. We maybe could pay a little bit of our rent, combined rent, because we always found houses and each got rooms in them and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. because we weren't paying people anything and we were relying a lot on volunteer people to come in and help, that we just reinvested every all the money we made we put back into how many copies and, and yeah, we how didn't many pay pages. ourselves it was all about making a bigger and bigger paper it was about making that i mean if you if we actually looked at it from a business perspective and said hey we can only afford to print 20 pages i don't think we would have grown the same way because we just kept making more getting more and more content and jamming it into a bigger and bigger publication so trying to get trying to reach more people, trying to tell more stories and try to get more dialogue with different varieties of folks and have them contribute and tell a story back and forth. Right. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, the audience has broadened so much for the publication. 
we've talked about you know different writers and using it as a platform to to grow and experiment what did you get out of your time with the pulse tom what did you take away when you left financially no uh, no (laughs) it's clear that there wasn't a lot there uh but what what did you take away like how how did you grow and yeah what do you what do you still use from that time oh a lot i mean i think just learning layout and design yeah how to sit down with folks uh whether it's to to come up with ideas for how to promote their business to sell an idea to be you know project based i think i've I've parlayed a lot of that sort of startup mentality and project-driven approach into what I do now, and that's you know really fundraising, where you're you're trying to you know get together the the will to create something new, to to put a program and project in a space where it hasn't been before to address some need that you can agree upon needs to be addressed. So yeah, just definitely um, the the skills to to just talk to anybody in a community, and to talk about you know what's possible and and where things can go, those are definitely big skills. Yeah, and then the hard skills of just like I said, kind of knowing how things can look on paper, aesthetics, and how things can be put together in a in a format that connects narratives with things like poetry and and visuals. Yeah, I appreciate all of that. Well, I would guess too that just the act of taking something from nothing and then putting it out into the world and doing that over and over again starts to build a more invaluable experience, right? Mm -hmm. Because not everybody has that experience of being like, hey, I took this thing from an idea to putting it in people's hands. Right. And being able to do that physically, not just once, but week by week, month by month, year by year. Yeah. I feel like that builds a certain type of person almost. Like now, you, do you feel like you can take on anything in that way since you've had that experience of, of that like public facing production for so long? To answer honestly, yes. So I got a lot of confidence and, you know, boost in being able to take on projects and place things that were just in the realm of imagination into, into the space, projects like that. But also, you know, getting out with that kind of enthusiasm and drive to create things and taking that into Los Angeles, I also had some challenges with that approach, you know? So now I think I'm in a more balanced place, kind of can scrutinize ideas maybe before we just run off with them. So, yeah. Well, I was going to say after years of living in a one bedroom office with Dave and a dog and that wasn't years. Like we did have an opportunity where one summer we lived in a really, really nice house like because it was vacant and, Uh We had the right connections, and yeah, we had a beautiful place to live in. You didn't have to build your own room in that <laughs> no, one? No, we did not. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, like, after after years of having that experience where it's, like, literally working and working and working until the very last minute and then getting it into the, the press and putting it out there, like, working those multiple jobs and those 20-hour days, after doing that for so long, isn't everything easy now? Like, you just approach stuff and be like, well, we, I, I could be The deadline's in- still a deadline. And yeah. I still work very much on deadlines, and they're, they're always can be challenging. But I think all that uh, muscle strengthening helps you anticipate what you need to do. Because, yeah, the worst thing is on deadline is, is confronting the unexpected and, uh, you know, having to kind of accommodate at the last minute. But now you get to do it without almost freezing to death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Is there anything else, Tom, about those kind of first five years that you were with the Pulse that we haven't talked about or any other stories that we haven't gone into yet? Well, I, w- I want to, I mean, I, this isn't this isn't directly answering your question, Andrew, but uh, like Tom's attitude was always that we can do something. Like, so the, I don't think that we would have gotten through those first two, three years if Tom wasn't around. I mean, it was just he found the positive to keep us moving when sometimes everything just felt like the bottom had fallen out and he just kept, Nope. Okay. The car is totaled. No more car. All right. We're going to, the, the quaalude can go backwards and not forwards, but we're going to figure out how to get the paper to press. <laughs> and those are small examples, but there were lots of those along the way where we hit a lot of bad bumps in the road and Tom would always just be there to like, Nope, we can do this. Let's keep going. So and and there's a, there were other people there too, but Tom was a rock and just the positive energy that he always just brought to every single thing. So, thanks, Dave. Yeah, and I think the the chemistry there was that uh, you were always looking out at the farther horizon and you know able to kind of keep pushing to make things bigger. When we did have those extra resources to reinvest and to say these things are possible, so that was probably a good combination. You know, my my optimism in times of seeming a disaster and your long-range vision. I, I had faith that you were going to show up, whether it was late or not. I knew you'd always show up in time for dinner because Tom would inevitably always show up when the pizza was finished or your food was just about ready to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but like that was just a knack. It was one of those lucky things. And, and the, I, I knew that Tom was going to be there for the deadline and to help us finish it. And I knew that if I couldn't drive the printer to the press, that he would. So we figured it out and it was a, it was a great experience. And there were so many other people along the way that made it possible too, that I'm not going to remember all their names, but all the other people that helped us get going were huge. I'm curious when or if you ever felt the shift from like, when you, when you first came up here, obviously you wanted to do this thing, right? But from what I understand, like you, you had other jobs as well, trying to make ends meet. Oh yeah. At what point did the pulse or if it was in those first five years or if it was after, at what point did the pulse start to take the highest priority? At what point, or did it ever, for, for you, Tom, or for you, Dave, in those first five years? Obviously, now, Dave, this is your career. It is your highest priority. But did it ever shift from being the, the cool project that you guys were working on in addition to your jobs? No, I always think we, I don't think we ever looked at it that way. I mean, if you think about it, we we're producing an eight-page paper and we we're printing a 1,000 copies. But we never missed a deadline. Like, we oh, if we said the paper was coming out on a Friday the paper always came out on the Friday we said it was going to come out on. So I don't think we ever prioritized anything else but that. Right. And, and our jobs were, were vehicles to, you know, us keeping up our publishing habit. Yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> like it's been told to me before, but like you think about the, the dot com startups that were started in a garage. Well, you've, you've said that Tom, you, mm-hmm. you brought it up like, well, we were, a, we weren't a dot com, but we were right in that same kind of, well, and it that, was that it was, was advanced technology that yep. wasn't didn't exist up here that we were applying mm-hmm. that enabled us you know a couple of guys in in a converted garage to so it uh, was a, we, it was a startup and yeah. we were investing everything we could back into it and trying to make a go of it it it, it was our priority there was it, a point when I second guessed it I left after the second year after the second summer I left and thought I was coming back, but there was a little bit of iffy there and ended up coming back, of course, but there was that downtime for me. But other than that, that was the only time that I, in the whole thing that I stepped away a little bit. And ultimately, you know, it felt like a 
privilege to be doing it, to, to have it. And, you know, when things got tough, we'd kind of revisit that, like, should we keep, should we keep doing this? And, and uh, we'd always come around to like, hey, we'll, we'll keep doing it as long as it's fun. Well, I think that came down to because we could keep playing with the medium. Because we yeah. could keep saying, oh, what if we did this? So, oh, as soon as you say, what if we did this? Oh, how can we do that? Oh, we can do that. I guess we can't quit now. Like it was one of those things of just finding different ways to do things that drove us to keep going. And the jobs we had were pretty self-contained. They didn't demand outside of work time and headspace, you know, whether it's, you know, being a cook or a waiter at a restaurant, you know, in the off season when we weren't publishing, I would substitute teach, I'd do some grant writing. Uh, I also worked at a pottery shop. Shout out to Gills Rock Stoneware. They're now Gills Rock Pottery. Gills Rock Pottery, like that. It changed, but the the and yeah, the job thing. The Leroy's was an important part of our mm-hmm. development of the newspaper too. Hanging out with Ryan at Leroy's and the people that that coffee shop always attracted were talented, interested, creative people. And I, I there's too many artists and designers and writers that we pulled out of their dimension. Um, although I will mention Seth Wessler. Seth Wessler walked in one day because I worked at Leroy's a little bit too. Seth walked in and said he was an artist and a, a cartoonist and got to talking to him and turned around and for four years he was our primary layout and design guy and drew a whole bunch of different cartoons and things for us over time. So when we get to the end of those five years, obviously you guys were, were growing along with the paper, growing older, not, you know, into your middle age or anything, but you were, you we were, were growing up. We, yeah. were, we were basically your age now, Andrew. Well, yeah. that's not a fair comparison because I feel like I'm middle-aged. Oh. So... <laughs> But, you know, you were going and being pulled in these different directions. Tom, you ultimately decided to leave the publication. What was that fifth year like? What was that decision like for you? Hmm. That's a, yeah, there's a lot there. What? Quitter. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I was feeling, I could definitely see the paper having longevity. And I was thinking I was, I was in a relationship that you know i was into and it's always a woman always yeah. a woman drags well, you she's away. now your wife and yes and the mother and of your now, child and, and the oh, so exactly. it's worth it then yeah and, and so yeah. i didn't know that's how it was going to work out but one thing i did know is that if i didn't go to la to pursue the relationship while she was going to cal arts at grad school it wasn't going to be that was just too that's like you know people say like law school is the the destroyer of, of marriages. Well, we weren't even married, but you know, I just knew it was too transformative of a space. I was either going to have to go and be on that ride with her, or it was I was going to have to say goodbye to the relationship. And I wasn't feeling ready to say goodbye to the relationship yet. And I was seeing that if I'd stayed in Door County, I may never live in a city. And there was a part of me that really wanted to you know, have that experience of kind of an, an urban life. So I, I jumped in my truck thinking maybe I'll come back, you know, for next summer. Or I'm not sure. And uh, I had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. I went down to a wedding in Florida and then drove all the way out to L.A. from there. Tom found the shortest path to L.A. He yeah. drove to the tip of Florida and then to California. Yeah. 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 But that was an amazing summer. I mean, that was that was 2001. Like, that was 2001. 2001. That was right. And so you left, Tom left right after 
mm-hmm. but it was a great summer. I mean, Jill, your your wife now um, was painting in the upstairs room of our yeah. of our house, and yeah. she was being creative all the time. The house was full of fun and cool stuff. It wasn't like we didn't slow down or remiss. We just kept going, and it was a yeah. I remember. I fondly remember that year. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't a a breakup kind of thing. It was um, you know kind of like I'm going out on my solo act sort of thing. And we, I mean, we, <laughs> yeah, we talked about ways of continuing partnership of somehow like, okay, if you, can you cultivate some talent out there and how does that fit with door County? And, and then I took it the direction of let's find a way to make it go through the winter and um, ran into Madeline Johnson, who's now Madeline Harrison. And she came an employee and then an eventual partner in the, in the company. So it evolved that way. And you yeah, that was, was kind of lining up as I was going or that, that just near the took shape over the winter, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that was a, yeah. that was January of 2002 yeah. because I think Madeline was down in South America, I think doing mm. something. And then that, and that was actually the first time that I took it or the second time I, cause I had another job that during the winter time that I was a kind of a headhunter for one point. Oh during, yeah. During winters. That was but quite a. I worked with semiconductors. Yes, yeah. semiconductors, logistics, and that was all sorts of interesting stuff. Another another world, and and then I and then I worked for Open Door Communications, which was a John Nelson uh, marketing company, and we worked side by side with the Pulse and Open Door Communications for a, just a short winter, and then we kind of went our separate ways, but evolved that way too. So that was part of the transitional years too, or, mm-hmm. or winter, mm-hmm. so to speak. I think it's wonderful that you said that it wasn't a breakup, but I still do like to imagine that it was a tearful goodbye. And Dave, you were like, Tom, go get her. And then he was like, all right, you got the paper while I'm gone. You can try to frame that any way you want in theatrical way of (laughs) standing in the, me holding the dog's leash and waving goodbye. Yeah. That was, that was when we still had nutty Kafka. I think there was a moment a few months down the road when it was like, oh, this feels different. Yeah. So we've, we've missed it, the partnership. So, Tom, I know you didn't grow up in Door County, but you've had strong ties here your whole life. And, sure. And pretty much all young people who grow up here have the moment where they're like, I need to leave, if not just to see what the other side looks like. And then, invariably, many choose to come back at some point. Is that your story? No. I came here six years ago and had no prior experience of it whatsoever. Uh So, completely different. I My wife had that experience. I Mm. wish my wife would come up here every single year and has really fond memories of vacationing up here, which is why we ended up here. But so many of my friends that are young went away to college in different parts of the country and then either stayed out there for a couple of years and then came back or I met them here and they haven't left yet or they hadn't had left yet. And they're like, now I, I need to go and I need to see, but people always come back. Miles has that story too, right? Sure. Leaving for Chicago for yep. 10 years or, or so, and then coming back. Do you think Door County has a place for you in the future? Or do you feel like this is going to be the place where you, you come back to over time? Or? Excellent. Excellent question. Well, he has been here for six weeks, so that's, that's a pretty good Dipping the, the toe in the water a little well, bit, quite I can, literally. I can say with certainty, if we can continue to have this kind of summer stint and telework, I would, yeah, really enjoy this balance. The break from L.A. summer is really welcome. Um, and being here is just such a joy just to, you know, for everything that 
you know, anybody who comes up here likes about Door County, but also just the incredible community I still have up here. It's it's humbling and, and mind-blowing at the same time. So I do think about coming back here all the time, but I don't know. The stars would just have to align to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, it I, seems I'm, like you, you enjoy your time up here, but yeah. do, you feel a, do you feel a pull? Yeah, I, I think both Jill and I are alternately in a space of, of thinking like, oh, you know, we could... This is a community that we feel connected to and, uh, uh, you know, what, what would a move look like? So we've, we've had a lot of those kind of conversations, but also like it's taken a while, but L.A. is home. So there's that, too. You know, we have a real community there as well. Yeah, I was just wondering if, if Door County had that like magic pull that it seems to have with everybody I talk to on you. It's good to know that, you know, it's not all the time, right? It's right. not like, oh, I, I can't wait to get back here. It's like there's, you know, there's a world outside of here, too, that is yeah. wonderful and has many opportunities in it. And, yeah. and we and Door County loves people like that because we can't everybody can't live here, but everybody should love it here when they do come here. Right. I mean, that's the way I, at least the way I look at it. Right. Well, and I also think about like people who grow up here and leave and spend time away from here. Invariably, if they do come back, they can bring with them the things that they learned, the businesses that they started, the connections that they made. They can bring those things back and it just enriches the tapestry up here even more. Mm -hmm. Right. So who knows? Maybe, maybe one day Tom McKenzie will be back. I think it's great to have the Mackenzie Newman's in town for at least six weeks every year. That sounds good to me. Let's see if we can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Do it up. I mean, you were, you were jumping into Kangaroo Lake a lot this year, I hope. Yes. And did Flora learn how to swim? Pretty well, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. She had her last lesson with, with Rachel uh, the other day, and um, she had her life jacket on but swam all the way out to the swim raft and back, and she's she's got all, all the skills. She's got to we got to keep working on putting them together. Hopefully the pools will be open when we get back to LA so we can keep it up. Nice. Have you taught her to sail yet? That's that's the next. We did step. a little bit, but yeah, she likes to let go of the mainsail. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a sailor just but we did have this thing called Monday night sailings. Sailing. I have to retell this these brief stories. So the e the Ephraim Sailing Center is what it was. That's where Tom worked. He mentioned that during the summers up here and even after you stopped working there, there were there was always somebody, Madeline worked there for a long time, and Jake Danan, and we would still have Monday night sailings, which meant a bunch of people in the service industry. Some had sailing experience, others did not. I did not. I was what I kindly referred to as a ballast, and I was told to move from side <laughs> to side to make sure that the weight was balanced properly, yeah. and I could mix an okay Mount Gay and Tonic as we sailed into the sunset, so to speak. Or Captain um, Morgan. Yes, there was some Captain Morgan, maybe too. <laughs> but it was a fun time, And but Tom has always had sailing in his blood, and I mean, I know that you also brought your dad up here for a few days, and didn't you say, did you sail around Door County? Didn't you spend some time on a sailboat with your pops too? It's it's an article in the Pulse. Yeah, I, I knew it was in my brain somewhere. Yes, but I, I don't remember what season or what issue, but may have even gotten a cover shot. I and so. yeah, my dad and I and, and a very dear family friend, Dolph Van Lannen, sailed from Sturgeon Bay around Door County uh, the plan was to do a, a loop around Washington Island as part of it, but there was a huge storm coming. Uh, so we started on the lakeside. We went up the lakeside, rounded the tip. Uh, we did go to Washington Island to the harbor, Detroit Harbor, hung out there for a night, 
and then came back down the other side, but just before a big storm was coming in. But you're no stranger to storms. I mean, didn't you and Mr. Leary race a storm in? I like for firmly tornado. Yeah, wasn't that? Yeah, was, chambers and back. That was the day of the right, tornado. Right in and, front of a tornado. Yeah, that was '98 or '99 yeah, on a laser. Yeah, yeah, that was great times. Yeah. There's interesting memories there because that's before a lot of the digital cameras. I mean, nowadays everybody takes pictures of everything and you've got an iPhone or something that you is semi waterproof. So you're not nervous about it and you're taking pictures. That's not the way that it was for those first few years of the pulse. It was things were more encapsulated in your head or in stories as opposed to mm-hmm. a quick video of this or that or the other thing. Right. Right. I mean, uh, can you imagine the, how fast a, that video would have gone viral of you and Ryan racing that storm in, the tornado in? <laughs> I, I think uh, if we had, you know, the telescoping yeah, little stick camera, we yep. probably would have capsized and, and died. Because <laughs> you'd be <laughs> we, laughing we at yourself. We had to have all trying. hands on deck for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, gentlemen, we are approaching one hour on this podcast. And as everybody knows, if we go over one hour, the podcast board actually self-destructs. So we are going to have to cut it short. This was great. Thank you. It was so much fun to hear you guys reminisce and to get you two under one roof again to talk about this kind of thing. So thank you both for coming on and chatting with me. And I can't wait to hear more stories about the history of the Peninsula Pulse. Maybe one day, Andrew. Maybe one day. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time. Are you going to put some sound effects of Oxford in? I've given you a few. Yeah, he he hasn't made any noise at all this recording, which is nice. He's yes, but I but playing. I emailed you some really good ones over the weekend. These are things that I think are important to, to share with others. He imitates an ambulance now. So. Why does he sleep with his eyes open? Is my big question.